Hey folks, it's Jared. Thanks for tuning in again. Today we have Mexican naval analyst Christian Ehrlich joining the pod. We'll be talking about Mexican maritime security, piracy in the Gulf of Mexico, the role of the Mexican Marine Corps, and the vibrant Mexican shipbuilding industry. I also wanted to highlight Simsec's Project Trident. If you don't follow Simsec on Twitter, go do so now or visit the website at simsec.org. If you're interested in shaping the future of international maritime security, this is your opportunity. Our first call for essays is out. We've partnered with Marine Corps University's Brute Krulak Center for Innovation and Creativity to address strategic choke points and littorals. More information on questions and content can be found on our website at simsec.org. Submissions are due by May 25th and can be emailed to content at simsec.org. With that, I'll turn it over to Kimber's men. by the Center for International Maritime Security. Aloha, shipmates, and welcome aboard Sea Control. Today we're discussing Mexican maritime challenges and strategy. Our guest is Christian Ehrlich. Christian specializes in Mexican maritime security. As always, our views are our own and not representative of any institution with which we may be associated. Uh, today we're going to start a little bit differently because I have a confession that for months now, I thought Christian was a German based on his name who decided to <laughs> specialize in the Mexican Navy, but that is not the case at all. So Christian, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about your background? Yeah, thanks indeed. Well, yes, my, my name is German, but I am Mexican. My, my father was a Luftwaffe officer, <laughs> but he uh, somehow moved to Mexico back in the 60s and the whole story began. Um, well, I'm, I'm based here in, in Monterrey, Mexico, which is in in the north of the country, pretty close to, to Texas. I uh, run a company which is called uh, RISCOP. RISCOP is a risk intelligence and security uh, company. And over the past 10 years, we have helped uh, both uh, civilian organizations and also uh, government enterprises to to understand the security landscape in Mexico, both on, on land and on sea. Uh, I've also worked for the Mexican Navy as a research associate at the Mexican Navy Institute for Strategic Research. That uh, it's no longer happening, but uh, I spent uh, three years there, and those were pretty, pretty good years. And, well, I'm happy to talk to you, especially amid this personal crisis. Uh, it's pretty nice to talk about uh, issues that have nothing to do with the coronavirus and actually have to do about uh, very, very important aspects of our of our economies and our policies, and which is maritime security. Well, with all that said, I hope I'm not going to ruin your day by asking how you are holding up with uh, everything that's going on. <laughs> and I, I assume that you're locked in your house, just like uh, the rest of the world appears to be. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I've been in lockdown mode since uh, March 10th, I, I think. We, uh, along with my family, decided to to protect ourselves uh, way before the government uh, announced those measures. And I think we are doing just fine. Of course, as you said before, uh, we were not prepared for this, but I think we are we are coping with this. Uh, pretty good. Thanks for asking. I, I hope you're doing also fine. Yeah, we are hanging in. I have been uh, pleasantly surprised. I guess I should say we're recording this April 6th, so I know it'll air later. And uh, just to contextualize it, uh, that is the date that we're recording. Yeah, I've been pleasantly surprised by how much I've taken to telework. 
I have a small child who just loves to smash through the door asking for hugs. And I will tell you, when you're dealing with a stressful day, like there are a few things better than a little 16-month-old coming in. She wants a hug. She wants to be taken over to the cabinet where we have the licorice. Um, I, I'm happy to interrupt whatever telcon I happen to be on to go do that. Uh, it, it warms my heart a little bit. And then, okay, back to the grind, working Excel spreadsheets and everything else I'm doing. But uh, okay. I assume... Uh, I assume this is probably the first time teleworking for you as well. Uh, yes, yes. Um, actually, I do this uh, from time to time, but not on a daily basis. So it's also a new thing for me. But as I said to you before, I think we are doing just fine. And we hope that uh, while doing our parts, we, uh, we help our countries to get rid of this situation and get back to normality as as soon as we can. Absolutely. So let's return for normality here and set COVID-19 aside for a little bit and talk some uh, national security issues for Mexico. Uh, we asked a little bit more about your background here. How and why did you decide to study uh, sea power? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, uh, five years ago, I, I got a scholarship by the National Defense University in Washington, D.C., I went there alongside two colleagues of the Mexican Navy, and we spent there uh, like a month also with colleagues from the rest of the of the hemisphere, and we were discussing about uh, national security threats and risks and issues uh, uh, related to our countries. And uh, despite the fact that Mexico has been experiencing some very big uh, troubles or big issues, in terms of internal security, there's also something going on on the sea, and and no one seems to to be taking this situation seriously. Uh, besides, I mean, besides the navy, of course, but in the civilian uh, side of the of the, uh, let's say the, the civilian analyst, no one is actually looking to it. So that's when I decided to to start studying sea power in general. And more specifically, specifically, sorry, issues related to maritime security in Mexico. Thanks. And I'm used to talking about NATO and our allies in the Pacific, uh, specifically Australia, South Korea, Japan, a lot of alliance-based national security issues. The Mexican Navy has some distinctly different challenges. You mentioned a lot of it, I think, is focused on the domestic situation. Uh, does it have alliances and how do those drive Mexican Navy strategy? Well, first, let, let me um, elaborate a little bit more about the Mexican Navy as a force. Uh, the Mexican Navy uh, has roughly 55 to 60,000 personnel. Of them, uh, roughly 15 to 20,000 are Mexican Marines, and they are 100% uh, focused on um, helping uh, police forces and the army to fight drug cartels. But the rest of the Navy is devoted mostly to Coast Guard duties. So if we think of Ken Boots Triangle, we could say that the Mexican Navy is 95% uh, devoted to maritime security, let's say uh, counter-narcotics operations on sea, uh, countering illegal fisheries, uh, 
mostly on the Pacific. Uh, also, the Mexican Navy is uh, devoted to to tackle piracy on the Gulf of Mexico, which is a growing threat. Uh, that's a I'm, I'm very concerned about it because uh, piracy acts have been increasing over the past two years, and the other five percent of the Mexican Navy is devoted to foreign defense. So let's say that uh, we do have a a Navy with uh, a Coast Guard capability and, for instance, a very small, uh, very limited uh, foreign defense and power projection uh, capability. Uh, now, uh, going back to your question, uh, the Mexican Navy is uh, working very closely with the U.S. Coast Guard and the U.S. Navy. Uh, we, the Navy has uh, naval attaches at, the, at Southcom. In, in Florida, also uh, at NORAD. And let, I could say that the relationship between the Mexican Navy and our American counterparts is, is, is pretty, pretty solid. Uh, despite politics, both in Mexico and the U.S., but the relationship between uh, the U.S. Navy, the U.S. Coast Guard, and, and the Mexican Navy is, is pretty solid. And I think that's a very, very uh, good aspect of U.S.-Mexico relationship, and I think that it, it will it will continue despite uh, what happens within the U.S. in terms of the uh, upcoming election, and also despite what happens to to Mexican internal politics. You mentioned piracy is a rising threat, and that's uh, a little new to me. Hearing about it in the Gulf of Mexico, is that specific to Mexican? waters or is that occurring in international waters in the Gulf as well? And what do you think is driving that? Well, um, first you have to recall that on the Gulf of Mexico, uh, Mexico has a, a lot of oil platforms. And over the past two years, there's been an increasing amount of, of, of attacks or that's called how they are called, piracy acts against uh, some of those platforms and also against uh, ships. Uh, of course, they mostly happen within Mexican waters, so they are not called piracy in terms of the international law, but they are piracy acts. And the Mexican Navy doesn't have enough resources to track, locate, and stop those uh Pirates or those uh, organized crime uh, thugs, maritime thugs, that uh, can go to the to the sea and commit those those acts uh, almost unnoticed, and that's a very uh, concerning issue. And again, uh, the Mexican Navy doesn't have the resources it needs to to actually stop that from from happening, but. Again, this is happening mostly on the Gulf of Mexico and not on the Pacific. On the Pacific, we have a, a very different uh, scenario, uh, mostly in terms of drug trafficking and illegal fisheries. But on the Gulf of Mexico, uh, that's a big concern. Hey, you mentioned the Gulf of Mexico side is a little bit more challenging than the Pacific side. Where are the units based on the Gulf of Mexico side? Mm-hmm. So I'm not as familiar with Mexican base architecture as I am with some other countries. Well, the Mexican Navy has many bases uh, located both on the on the Gulf 
uh, and the Pacific. On the, specifically on the Gulf of Mexico, there are, uh, let's say, uh, mid-sized to big-sized naval bases, on, mostly on Veracruz, which is at the center of the Gulf of Mexico. Also, if you go a little bit to the north, uh, on Tuxpan, also uh, in the state of Veracruz. And if you go a little bit more to the north, uh, there's another important base on, on Tampico, which is located in the state of, of Tamaulipas. Uh, there are many other uh, small bases, but I, I should say that those three bases are the most important on the Gulf of Mexico. What type of units operate from those bases? I imagine these are roughly equivalent to U.S. Coast Guard cutters, but the size is... Uh a question to me. No, you're you're right. Uh, mostly offshore patrol vessels and coastal patrol vessels, alongside uh, the what we called uh, interceptor uh, ships, which which are um, small Polaris uh, uh, ships that go very fast and roughly, as you said, uh, the equivalent to the U.S. Coast Guard. Means that's what we have on, on the Gulf of Mexico. So you mentioned uh, the acts of piracy taking place. Is, are the pirates organized in any way, or are they pretty much isolated into just small groups of criminals with no sort of overarching uh, plan for the way that they operate? No, they, they uh, are part of organized crime uh, syndicates uh, inside Mexico, which are uh, devoted both to drug trafficking, but also to fuel theft. Fuel theft in Mexico is, is also a big concern inland Mexico, but also uh, on, the, on the Gulf of Mexico. We have heard about this uh, groups uh, attacking ships on the Gulf of Mexico, big fuel ships, uh, and stealing the, the fuel they carry. So, uh, in my opinion, as long as the Mexican Navy doesn't get enough resources, at least to double uh, the resources it already has there, uh, as long as it doesn't increase its uh, maritime domain awareness capabilities, such as intelligence and, and aircraft-based surveillance, this will just uh, grow. You brought up MDA, and that was actually going to be my next question for you. Is there any sort of... Uh, aerial surveillance, do the Mexicans operate P3s, anything like that to uh, attempt to better cover the Gulf? Well, actually, the Navy has uh, some very uh, interesting and highly capable Martin Patrol aircraft, mostly uh, CASA CN-235 uh, Persuader uh, aircraft. And also small uh, beach crafts with uh, also, um, let's say, uh, antennas or radars below the fuselage. And we, we do have uh, good resources in that, in that regard, but still we, we need a lot, a lot of more. You brought up the Marine Corps. A 15 to 20,000 person Marine Corps is actually a pretty sizable unit in that they're dedicated to law enforcement. Do they actually function in amphibious capability? Does the Navy move them around uh, to support law enforcement? Mm -hmm. No. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the Mexican Marines uh, lack a sufficient, well, let's say minimal, uh, amphibious capabilities. 
since our naval doctrine is not uh, oriented towards uh, forced deployment or to take part in, in international uh, peacekeeping operations, so far, at least so far, uh, the Mexican Navy hasn't invested in, in, in amphibious capabilities. That's, that's, uh, that's sad because, you know, um, when the Mexican Navy takes part in, in international exercises such as UNITAS or, or RIMPAC, uh, we must uh, take our Marines on board uh, U.S. Navy ships and, and train them, and that's just fine. But uh, we don't have those uh, resources in Mexico, and let's hope that in the in the next ten years, the Mexican Navy may may get some of them. Well, you had mentioned doubling the resources. Uh, how large is the Navy? I understand the fifty-five to sixty thousand number and the difference between the Navy versus the Marine Corps. How many ships are we talking about operating? Well, the the Mexican Navy has um, about. 30 to 35 uh, operational offshore patrol vessels and a bit more than 10 or maybe 15 coastal patrol vessels for the entire country. And it's it's a very uh, reduced force. Uh, if you think that, uh, if you think of the Mexico's maritime domain is 3 million square kilometers, and we have 11,000 kilometers of coastlines, both on the Pacific and the, and the Gulf of Mexico. So when I said to you that we need to double at least our resources, maybe I'm just falling short. Yeah, yeah it's always a question of uh, what is actually possible in the fiscal environment. And as our respective governments um, deal with COVID-19, there may be even fewer resources than we see available today. Uh, I have been on one of the in Interceptor class, though I have to say that is, uh, for a smaller ship, that is extremely capable. I remember going inside the, the bay where uh, the vessel's small boat is kept. If you've never seen one, it's a really intimidating small boat that you have in there. It, the boat itself looks like a missile with like, yep. fangs on the front of it. It's like If I saw that thing coming at me, I would immediately stop and do whatever... The person coming towards me was uh, going to ask me to do. Um, are there any metrics for whether or not the Mexican Navy is having success in its maritime awareness? You sort of hinted that it's not being successful, but the challenge for the U.S. is always, you know, we understand how much of the narcotics piece we're taking out. We don't necessarily understand the what the bottom part of the iceberg is, if you will. So if I understand your question, you're asking me if I think that uh, if the Mexican Navy is actually being successful in order to fulfill all, all its missions, that's the question? Yeah, I, I did a poor job of framing it. Yours was actually better. But yes, yeah, so, like, do you think they're being successful in uh, fulfilling what they're doing? Well, I, I should say that the Mexican Navy has been very successful with the resources it has available. I, I, it's a miracle what they do. I, I really mean it. But again, uh, our maritime domain is so huge and our maritime um, challenges are, are also so so complicated that I don't think that we are uh, understanding the, the importance of the, not only of the Mexican Navy as, a, as an institution, but as, as the oceans 
in terms of, of its uh, their strategic value to Mexico. You, you said before that um, uh, due to fiscal constraints, it's quite complicated to get the resources our navies need. Yes, that's true. But also, at least in Mexico, uh, it's not only a matter of, of uh, economic resources. It's not. It's not just a matter of, of a fiscal restraint. It's a matter of, of political. Um, let's say stability. I'm sorry, but our our politicians just don't get uh, how important the oceans are for Mexican present and future. If you think of Mexico, we have uh, coasts both on the Gulf and the Pacific, which are the two most important oceans of the world right now. Uh, we have a lot of, of uh, mineral and natural resources on the on the seabed, and we don't take uh, that domain seriously. So since our uh, political elite doesn't have a maritime culture, uh, they will never uh, devote sufficient resources to the Navy and to the, to the ocean in general. To me, that's the main... That's the main concern. How is the Navy viewed by the Mexican populace? What place do they occupy in society? Is it kind of an afterthought uh, behind the army, above the army? Well, uh, different uh, surveys and polls suggest that the Mexican Navy is the most uh, highly regarded institution of the entire Mexican government. And it's been so over the past, I don't know, 15 years or so. So the Navy is a highly respected institution in Mexico, uh, highly regarded and highly admired. But because of what the Navy has done in terms of internal security, drug, uh, countering drug trafficking and so on, that's why the people, I mean, the, the average Mexican thinks of the Navy as, as a very solid uh, institution to, to fight cartels. But if you ask an average Mexican, uh, well, what about the ocean? What about the, the maritime capabilities of, of, of the Navy? Uh, they just don't know anything about it. Thanks. So we had talked about amphibious capability a little bit before, but is there any appetite in Mexico, either from the people or the government, for amphibious shipping or some sort of joint support ship? That seems to be a little bit in fashion with European countries, at least to discuss it, even if they're not uh, actively moving towards acquiring that capability. But uh, we've seen, even here in the U.S., we've seen uh, Mexicans doing disaster relief. Uh, I think when Hurricane Katrina hit, there was a convoy of Mexican trucks that came and delivered aid. Uh, it would seem to me, particularly given the situation with hurricanes in the Gulf, that some amphibious shipping to deliver humanitarian assistance <coughs> would be a, a very easy win for the Mexican government. Uh, yes, I, I totally agree with you. And actually, during this uh, COVID crisis, uh, the Mexican Navy is moving two uh, former Newport-class ships uh, uh, to serve as hospital ships. And I think that the Navy is just realizing the enormous potential of uh, these types of ships um, and both uh, the ARM Papaloapan and the ARM Usumacinta, which are, are two unique, uh, really amphibious, capable ships, both ex-Newport class, they should be replaced in the coming future, maybe five to eight years. 
So I think the Navy should start thinking of, of building, because we do build our own ships here in Mexico, or acquiring a secondhand uh, Mistral class maybe, or some LHD or LPD uh, ship from, from Europe. Uh, nevertheless, uh, so far there are no plans. There is no money for that, but the need is there. And I, I do think that once this uh, economic crisis that is coming to us for the next years, uh, I think afterwards the Mexican Navy will definitely think of acquiring uh, at least one or two of those uh, ships. It, 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 should, it should do it. You mentioned the Mexican shipbuilding capability, and I kind of uh, skipped over that question, but what is the uh, Mexican shipbuilding industry like? You have multiple yards working to uh, produce ships for the navies, or is it relatively concentrated? Uh, well, it's a pretty interesting model. Uh, the Mexican Navy builds its own ships since the 1980s. Uh, it started uh, acquiring uh, the license uh, from from Spain to to build uh, some offshore patrol vessels called uh, the Uribe class offshore patrol vessels. And starting in 1985, I think the Navy uh, began to invest more and more and more. Uh, and it's uh, naval shipbuilding capabilities. And so far, they have done a pretty solid work. Uh, you probably have heard about the, the Dam and Sigma frigate that the Mexican Navy uh, built uh, in Mexico in the state of Oaxaca, which is uh, on the south of the country and on, on the Pacific side. Um, and in less than two years, uh, the naval ship you're, uh, built uh, a highly capable NATO standard frigate. So uh, I think the, the capabilities are there to to build uh, bigger ships, uh, more modern ships. But again, uh, I don't think that uh, the resources will uh, flow to the naval industry in the coming years, uh, sadly. I think uh, Domino, I believe, is a Dutch company, and I think what you're referring to is the uh, Reformador. Is that correct? Yeah, the the it it used to be called Reformador until two weeks ago, when the Navy changed uh, the first of class name to Benito Juarez class. But it's it's actually a Damon Sigma one hundred five fourteen multi-purpose frigate. Yeah. And this is one of the last questions I really had for you was uh, one of the things I've noticed, and I say notice changing within the Mexican Navy, but you've referred to this 5% that's really dedicated towards uh, power projection, foreign defense, um, you could almost say diplomacy, is the rollout of the higher-end combatants for the first time. So you, you said Benito Juarez was the uh, name, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So she has harpoon missiles. Rolling airframe missiles and eight cell VSS with uh, evolved Sea Sparrow missiles, Mark 54 torpedoes, a modern electronic warfare suite. This platform would seem to signify a greater ambition for the Navy. Uh, the idea that this platform will now be able to operate more frequently with NATO countries and then 
perhaps deploy with a standing NATO maritime group at some point in the future? Well, I, I don't think that uh, I don't see the the Mexican Navy uh, sending the Benito Juarez class to take part uh, in a NATO NATO uh, task force. But I mean, not not in the in the, in the short term. But I, I do uh, see uh, this ship uh, being sent to take part in in let's say multinational exercises with the. Uh, with the U.S. Navy on the Pacific. Actually, the Benito Juarez is located on... Uh, but, you know, um, the former Reformador class, the current Benito uh, Juarez class, uh, represented a doctrinal evolution or maybe a doctrinal change within the Mexican Navy uh, five or six years ago uh, during the, the last administration. Uh, but this current administration, and I'm not talking about uh, the current naval authorities, I'm, I'm talking about the president and, and the new uh, political landscape. It changed everything. Um, the priorities changed, and somehow the Navy had to stop thinking of uh, building uh, more ships of, of that class. Uh, initially, the, the Navy wanted to build uh, eight uh, eight frigates, and it just got one. And we really hope that uh, once this uh, administration passes, maybe the next administration will again look to the to the navy uh, the way uh, other past administrations did. But so far, I, I have to be very honest. Uh, I don't think that uh, Mex the Mexican Navy will build uh, one more uh, Benito Juarez multiple post frigate in the next three to four years. I don't see, I don't see it happen, and I'm, I'm pretty sorry about it. That's too bad. Eight of those frigates would be a pretty substantial force. Uh, we've talked about the U.S.-Mexico relationship at sea a little bit. Is there any other cooperation going on with Mexico's other maritime neighbors? Yes. Um, the Mexican Navy has a very substantial uh, cooperation with the Colombian Navy, for instance. Also, in, in, in terms of, of its role against uh, drug trafficking on, on the sea, uh, but mostly with the U.S. I mean, yes, we, we do have uh, very good relations with our Central American partners. Uh, also with the Peruvian Navy, the Chilean Navy, and as I said before, the Colombian Navy. But I, th I think that 95% of our naval cooperation goes with the U.S. Thank you, uh, Christian. I think we're just about out of time. Do you have any uh, final thoughts before I close out here? No, I, I I really thank you for the for this interview and for your time. And again, I'm I'm at your service. I, I thank you for this opportunity, Jared. Thank you, Christian. This was great, and I hope we can get you back on the on in the future as uh, things evolve. Hopefully, uh, our economy, our collective economies, will pick back up, and maybe we'll see some more of the shipbuilding that you and I have just discussed here. I'd like to thank my guest, Christian Ehrlich. Christian, where can we find you online, and what's next for you? Uh, you can find me on, on Twitter. My uh, Twitter username is uh, CJ Ehrlich. And you can email me uh, on christian.erlich at gmail.com.
Thanks, Christian. And for our listeners, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. I want to tell the barrel counter Wow.